1: Welcome to 1.9 5 FM. It's 6 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. For those of you who've got kids, this is the show that you really need to listen to. Because things have changed and yet they've stayed the same in many, many ways. Ultimately, we as parents, our responsibility is to teach our children, introduce our children, make our children a fee with the idea of money and what it is. But many years ago, money was simple. There was rands and there were cents and there were notes and there were coins and there was a bank account. Today, you still have that same principle, but it's evolved into a totally different world. Um, So much so that I've always, you know, always laugh when I see kids putting notes on the back of their cell phones in the holder in the the cases that's where they really, that's their wallet so to speak they put a 50 rand or 100 rand note there just in case they need money it's there but that's really the merging of two extreme worlds yet all around the same topic and on the line with us is daryl cocker from um, citadel who's an advisory partner welcome to high fm daryl
0: thanks i good afternoon to you and your listeners
1: great thank you very much Am I right in saying that as much as things change, they've stayed the same, but there's definitely been change when it comes to children and money?
0: Yeah, our principles um, have stayed the same. Avi, uh, but, um, yeah, this is a different world we're living in. And as, as parents of, uh, of our age, um, you know, talking to your children, I don't think we fully understand uh, what, what they understand a, a large part of the time. So to, to try and, uh, you know, convey our, our principles... Of of how to manage money and what money actually is to them uh, can be quite a challenge.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I, I remember one thing that I, as as a youngster, was really boggled with. Uh, I remember my, my parents talking about stocks and shares, and I said, "Like, what are they? How does it work?" And got a very nice, simple explanation, but it was almost an impossibility to understand a non tangible share of something you know can I go into that company and own a machine no you don't own anything you just own a piece of paper and all of a sudden our children are also exposed to the same thing you've got a bank account with uh, 250 rand in it but where's the money yes yeah it's on your screen Um, I think what Craig uh, and Daryl say Craig, we need to take a break I know we've just come on air Let's take a quick break But let's break that down when we come back Just to start off How do we explain to kids that that number on a screen With the logo behind it Relates to something that one can go to the shops with We'll be back with you in a moment
0: this is RV on Business.
1: Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 11 minutes, nearly 12 minutes past 12. On the line with us is Daryl Koku who is an advisory partner at Citadel. Daryl, just before the break, I asked you if you could just contextualize, how does one explain to children today that a number on a, on a cell phone with a logo behind it representing a certain bank actually relates to rands and cents, coins and notes, a transaction that you can do by going into a, um, a supplier, whether it be a garage, whether it be a restaurant, a toy shop, and buy something. How does one start to pass that information over?
0: Yeah, I mean it's quite a difficult concept. Uh, Avi. Um, so if I can start right at the beginning, I yes. mean uh, one needs to just have a look at uh, your child's age and and try and be a, a, appropriate uh, in your explanation to to your child. So you know they they say you should you should try get your your child introduced to money and monetary concepts as as young as possible. But but do keep in mind that um, you know there's a behaviourist called Jean Piaget and he, he has a theory of cognitive development, and um, and that really talks around four stages of of a child's uh, you know, ability to understand, uh, firstly, you know, concrete or operational or uh, logical thinking. And so, if you do start too early with that, um, you're going to get quite frustrated because uh, conceptually, the, the the child is not going to have any idea what you're talking about. In saying that, when when they get to an age of around sort of 12, 13, um, they should be through those four stages of of cognitive development, and and they should be at a point where they are starting to demonstrate some abstract thinking, including logic and deductive reasoning, and they can do comparisons and stuff like that. And that's a really good time to start introducing uh, the money on the screen uh, type of of um, situation. Pre that, um, uh, you know, you, you you really need to deal in sort of those hard rands and cents, um, you know, coins and notes, um, you know, even bartering using Lego blocks, um, things like that, uh-huh. where where your client can get, uh, sorry, your your child can get an understanding of, of um, you know, the kind of of uh, you know transaction that will happen. You know, if I have something and I want something else, I I need to give something up to get that. So until the age of of sort of twelve or thirteen, it's very difficult to try and introduce your child. Uh, exactly to that and as you mentioned earlier rightfully so I mean a stock or a share is, is so far beyond that at, at that age um, you know I wouldn't even suggest going down that road so need to keep it simple need to keep it relevant to the child's age and you need to try and um, go by trial and error and see what actually works for your child um, and, and you know what's going to try and get them a feel or an understanding about a sort of um, giving them something for something that they've done and then in, in in light of that, giving them something else uh, while they give up, uh, you know, obviously something that you've given them for as a reward, uh, whether it be monetary or or something else that's a little bit more concrete. I've, but uh, yeah,
1: there's some of questions no. that I want to ask you that uh, you know that that have not really been put on on paper before me. But there's a lot of SMSs coming through. People really want to know where the kids should invest. So before we get there, let's just maybe try to get to one or two other points. Now, look, one thing that we know in South Africa is that kids don't work. The average American kid has always done a chore. They've either mowed the lawn or they've taken out the garbage or they've walked, worked in the corner uh, store. South African kids on the whole, at least in the, in, in, in the, in the, in, a, in the social environment that I was in, in involved in, a kid's not working and they might do something and get a little bit of a remuneration for it, but the kids don't usually have jobs. What's your thought on that about kids starting to work, starting to do chores to be remunerated so they get an understanding of what it's like to work?
0: I, mean, I think that is is critical in nature and 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 I mean I agree with you we've been quite spoilt in South Africa that we have a a domestic uh, service that's offered to us uh, by part of our population where to a large extent, we don't have to do chores because it's done for us, um, and the parents take care of, of um, you know that financial impact that it that might have on the family. But it is critical um, from a from a value for money and working for something um, that that children are exposed to certain chores around the house, and whether you uh, engage with them to say, look, if you you know, do a certain chore around the house every day, once a week for the month. They'll give you some sort of, you know, basic income, as it were, if you meet that criteria. Uh, If they do something extra, uh, you know, obviously there can be some sort of commission. Type of of um, system that can they can go into your uh, your day to day running of your household and and how you would sort of remunerate your kids, but that's a great way to start to just to to understand the children that when we all go off at eight o'clock in the day and we come home at five o'clock we've actually done something that's going to generate some form of income which can then sustain our standard of living or our our expenditure base. Um, You know, children often just think, you know, it's pie in the sky, Um, you know, they just, you know, that they can go get whatever they want from the shops and there's no real backing to that. So certainly helping them uh, along with chores and helping them understand what they get paid, how they get paid. Um, and then, obviously, uh, then utilising that money to to go out. So, w- one of the things I've always found is that if you force the child to save everything, uh, they tend to lose quite a lot of interest in doing those chores because there's almost no reward, uh, immediate reward. And remember, this generation we're dealing with, uh, immediate gratification for them is is very high on their agenda. Absolutely. Um, so, what I would probably do a large part of the time is uh, is is um, let them, you know, do a couple of chores around the house and then take sort of 15%, 20% of their earnings at the end of the month and, and let's go shopping and let's go and buy a milkshake or, um, you know, a, a new sort of uh, whatever the case might be, a new shirt or whatever the case might be. Um, you know, let them go and physically go to a place of, of shopping and actually physically buy something and walk out the shop knowing that they've earned it. And I would reiterate and reinforce that that they've actually The work that they've done has actually uh, created the opportunity for them to actually do that. The online, um, shopping I would avoid because you actually, again, you want to head down to, at a child's level, something that's co- concrete and they're a- able to physically do this thing. You know, online purchase is far too easy where you click, click, click and all of a sudden something ends up at your front door. You haven't really seen the value of working for something, taking the money, giving it to someone else and getting something in return. You know, that number on the screen just goes down and for you, it's just a number. There's no physical backing behind it. So for younger kids in particular, uh, I would suggest that, you know, taking them to a shop and actually physically letting them, uh, you know, engage in a transaction, uh, you know, would be worth their while, uh, certainly up until the age of 14, 15, uh, when they can therefore uh, start understanding a little bit more about um, sort of century and um, abstract thinking and things like that, where, where, they, where they, as long as they've got a good grounding yeah. from a younger age, it, it would make sense to do that.
1: Now, Daryl, that's so true, just to share with my own experience, I remember as a, as a young kid, I must have been 10 or younger, I went to my parents to the Dion store, they were, you know, there was a whole chain of stores. But the first one was in Bellevue um, across the road from Keps on Louis Both Avenue. And we walked in and I went to the bicycle section. And the bicycles in those days had little brown paper tags with a, with written on them the price. And the price written on the particular bicycle was 20 Rand. I can still picture it on the brown card. and I remember my father saying to me, sure, it's very expensive for a bicycle. And I often relate that story to my children, number one, just to show what inflation is about, that today if 20 Rand falls out of your pocket and blows across the road, you're going to think twice whether you're going to run through the traffic to get it, and whereas those days it was unaffordable. Um, but again, is it really just brings home the point that you've made, is it really taught me the value of that money. It wasn't just a piece of cardboard or brown paper with 20 Rand on it. It was that is the value of that item. And according to my father... That's expensive, and therefore it's a little bit of out of my reach at this point in time. Which is exactly what you're saying.
0: Yeah, coupled with it, uh, Avi, is the, the fact that what you had to do at home, whether it was uh, washing the dishes or washing the dogs or whatever, the walking the dogs, it was worse than that. It was pretty picking hard. Up, picking to get, up after to get the dog. Yeah, what I said
1: is picking up after the dogs was the biggest choice. No, I
0: wasn't gonna go there.
1: On <laughs> <laughs> well, that lighthearted note. Daryl, let's take a quick break. We'll be back with you in a moment.
0: This is RV on business.
1: Welcome back to 101.9, High FM. and as usual, we're rapidly running out of time. On the line with me is Daryl coker' an advisory partner at Citadel. Daryl, let's get straight into it. People are asking, you know, let's take a particular age, age twelve, thirteen. Where should they start to invest with their child? Do they start by saving? Do they start by investing? What's your approach?
0: I mean, Avi, mean, that's a, I mean, that's a great question. Um, uh, I mean, I just want to start uh, off, off the, on the outset and say that obviously savings and investing, uh, take a real disciplined approach. So it's no use, you know, building a strategy and, and trying to start put money away. And then when times get really tough, you know, you tap into it and you use the money for, for something else. And then you basically got to start again. So keep in mind that most, uh, sort of savings vehicles or investment vehicles that are out there for children. There's no real lock-in periods, as it were. Like, you know, we have an RA, which is, which is pretty good for adults because at 25 you put your money away, you can't really get it for a while. We protect ourselves from ourselves. That's right. So, so for children, there's there's nothing like that. You could potentially go into an endowment, uh, but you know, obviously that you know that increases the cost slightly, uh, and one needs to just be aware of that sort of thing. But what I would suggest uh, people consider from a from a savings uh, or investment plan for a child is to open up a tax-free savings plan. Um, you know, uh, for, the younger you do that, the better. And of course, you can open up uh, on behalf of your child. Um, and you can start investing. You can invest at this stage around 33,000-odd Rand per year. That can go into that tax-free investment plan. Um, And so it takes you around 15-odd years uh, investing at those levels to reach the capping of about 500,000. So it makes sense to start that early, and, of course, all the money that uh, you would invest or um uh, you know, uh, save in that in that tax-free savings plan is is ultimately tax-free at the end, which which can account for a, a really really nice uh, portfolio to start the the young adult life with. Um, in saying that, um, from an underlying investment perspective, there's a number of things which uh, which you can invest in. So, you know, you can you can choose a basket of unit trusts uh, f- for your child within that tax-free savings account. Um, you could choose uh, you know some sort of uh, 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 ETFs, exchange traded funds, um, many, many of those, uh, tax-free investment plans have got a wide variety of options, uh, based on the, the, the level of risk you prepare to take, uh, with your children's money, um, you could actually invest, uh, you know, 100% in equity or 100% cash or, or somewhere between the middle. My personal opinion is that, um, you could, uh, potentially expose your child's money to as much risk as, as you can. Uh, they have a long investment period. And, uh, therefore, um, they shouldn't really be worried about short-term volatility. And it's been shown over many years that uh, that equity should deliver the best return over time. And, therefore, um, don't let you as a parent, your sort of risk uh, profile um, overshadow what potentially could be a good investment for for your child um, uh, going into a, a slightly higher equity than maybe you feel comfortable with. And, um, maybe that's why
1: – sorry, maybe that's so important that people be in touch with a person like yourself to say, listen – I'm very cautious, I'm nervous, my investments have gone sideways for the last five years, now I need to put away from my kid, you know, I I know I should be aggressive, I'm just too scared, what do you feel? And, uh, you know, an objective opinion might allow them to avoid the pitfall of their own emotional restraints and therefore make the right decisions for the kids.
0: No, that's exactly right, Savi. I mean, ironically, if you've been in cash in the last five years in a tax-free plan, you've actually had the best, in South Africa, you've had the best return you could get. Absolutely. <laughs> but be that as it may. Remember that these, these, um, these investment time horizons for your children are, are sort of 15 to 20 years, and therefore equity should theoretically outperform uh, over time. Um what is important within those tax free savings plans as well is to ensure that you've got some sort of uh, global exposure to your portfolio. So I know many of the tax free uh, savings plans do offer um sort of uh, o- uh, offshore trackers, um uh, ETFs uh, offshore and that might be a really good way to uh, you know be able to get some good uh, returns in some you know sort of harder currencies than just just the rand. But um yeah, there's a number of options that uh, that one could look at. Um, you know Just obviously you know, head off to an advisor and, and explore the different options and and hopefully uh, find one that you 're comfortable with and you can invest in that
1: and it 's also as nice when those statements arrive even though they arrive by email. You can forward them to your kid's email or you can print them out or show them on the screen and go through them and interactively have a discussion and say, this is what we've put in. This is what it's worth. This is the growth or or this is the market, uh, you know, contraction that we've had. So there's a conceptual idea of what's going on. Um, Just before I let you go, you know, I'll just explain sort of how to interact with the kid. Or the young adult, once you've made the investment, but on an ongoing basis, when the money's going in, how involved should the actual investor, the child, be?
0: Well, again, it comes down to the the value of money and and how they perceive money. But I I, I like to get, uh, certainly, my children get involved in investment decisions along the way. Um, You know, you know, young adults as they are. Um, you know, we we've actually got the tax-free savings plan, but but bigger than that, um, we've we've started some share portfolios, and so you know, talking around businesses uh, that are in South Africa which businesses are doing well why are they doing well um you know uh why do you think they're doing well you know wh- what industry are they in is that industry doing well and, and so that whole economic discussion you know comes into uh, into some sort of decisions um I did chuckle when when my younger son said to me the other day that uh his mom needs to start listening to him because he's actually a shareholder of her business uh-huh. and so he's actually the boss so, <laughs> so it was it was quite funny but uh, in saying that um you know taking the uh, certificates or um, you know Quarterly reports um, and showing the children exactly how this is performed and why it's performed the way it has, and should you be making changes or should you just hold on? Those are really important discussions to help them understand the value of money and uh, and certainly uh, investing. Keep in mind, Avi, that not every child will have uh, an inclination to show a real interest in this. You know, um, some of them might say, look, you know, I, 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 it's really just not my field. I, I really have no interest whatsoever. But it is important to actually just give them some ground rules. You know, this is something that uh, no school curriculum covers. Um, and it's a real, real good life skill to be able to just understand about what you're buying, how it's doing, and what other options there are out there.
1: Now, Daryl, um, as a father of older children, um, it's amazing what they'll say to you in years gone by. And they say, like, you know, do you remember that chat we had on the beach? Or do you remember that example that happened? And you think it is almost uh, an irrelevant interaction. And to them it was fundamental. So often just exposing children to something in a non-threatening but inclusive and secure environment to say, I have enough trust and faith in your acumen that you'll take from this example what you want to glean from it is enough for them to be involved and to be triggered that they will remember something going forward. Whereas if we said to them, no, this is not for children, you don't need to know this, then by the time they're 21 they think, well, am I an adult yet? Am I ready yet for that magic that happened behind the door? In the meantime, all it was was the two parents discussing how to handle the overdraft. And, uh, you know, it's, yes, it's, sure. it's, it's really about uh, inclusive and putting in. But just before I let you go, um, I just want to bring something that I, I read many, many years ago and I've tried to live by it. And that's the whole concept of delayed gratification that Robert Kiyosaki talks about in the rich dad, poor dad scenario where his friend's rich dad taught them that working at the end of the day doesn't mean you need to get money for it. Sometimes working means you need to go to the person you worked for and say, thank you for allowing me to have the experience that will give me the skills going forward. Do you buy into that philosophy?
0: Um, I definitely do, Avi. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very important uh, part of uh, of one's uh, you know conceptualization of what money is and how money works and coupled with that if I can add on to that it's you know what also we should be trying to push with our children and it's difficult because you know we need to take care of ourselves first as well but but you know a bit of philanthropy doesn't you know go, goes a long way uh, yes. in our child's minds as well so uh, exactly what you're saying delayed gratification which is very difficult for this generation, because they uh, they exactly the opposite to that. Um, they want instant gratification, and and so I think you know to delay it is is absolutely important. Um, and and coupled with that, the ability to give to charity and to be able to give to other people that are less fortunate than yourselves, um, I think that creates a huge amount of um, you know, kudos and understanding about what money can actually buy, buy for you.
1: You know, Fani De Villiers, the, the ex um, Proteas captain. I once saw an interview with him. Uh, I just remember he was he was showing the camera his toes and how bruised and blistered are and all that. But in that interview, he made an amazing statement. He said, yes, we have a tremendous poverty scenario in South Africa. So what my wife and I do is we cash out a certain amount of coins at the beginning of each month. And we keep them in our car and we hand them out at the corners. And when it's finished, it's finished. But I've done my portion for the month. I've contributed to those people who haven't got employment who are begging on the street corner. And it made a profound impact on me because at the end of the day, number one, he recognized that there's a concept of giving charity to people. Number two, there's a concept of planning it, not just scrounging for money, but knowing that I've I've either tired or I've done what I've done and a portion of it is going to that. So, But also what happens is kids are sitting in the car and they're watching that. And they're seeing that my parent gives dignified, in a dignified way, money to somebody who's undignified, so to speak, on a corner in rags. And they don't do it. And when they run out of money, then they run out of money. But I thought that was a, quite a profound concept for children to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we need a hell of a lot more of that in our country, I'm afraid, especially in the environment where, where we are. I mean, we're very fortunate, most of us. Um, and so, I mean, giving is absolutely uh, critical to, to the upliftment of everyone in the country. And everyone's money will be better if we can just uh, keep that going.
1: Fantastic. Daryl, we're out of time, but I need a public um, assurance from you now on the air. I need you in studio in the future. Is uh, Can we get a commitment from you?
0: Yeah, happy to come in whenever you want, uh, want to have me around. I'll be glad to come in.
1: Fantastic. And really, I'll tell you what I want to do is maybe you can come in with a colleague or somebody else or or maybe even a kid. Um, and I want to discuss, I want to flesh this concept out because there are so many parents out there thinking, I've done nothing, I'm not doing anything, my kid doesn't know, my kid's not exposed, or I don't know how to handle it. And I think just by having a discussion over an hour, we'll really be able to help a lot of people. But in the meantime, people can get a hold of you on the Citadel website. Is that correct?
0: That's correct, over Fantastic.
1: Daryl, thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Abby. Take care.
1: Great. Daryl Daryl Coco is an advisory partner at Citadel. And just before I let you go, I just want to let you know that Pekin Bay Norwood has these pocket savings and sweet deals just for you. So listen to this. Picking Bay fish minced hake at hundred and twenty nine ninety nine a kilo. So that's minced hake, one twenty nine ninety nine a kilo. Salafon hummus, low fat at a very low 29.99 29 Rand ninety nine cents. Pick and pay 100 percent fruit juice blender for sorted one liters for just 11 Rand. I don't think you see much for 11 Rand anymore. And Talma Clear Soup KP KFP at four four hundred grams and that's for 49 Rand. So I think that's the soup mix. For 49 Rand, and then that's the Talma. And uh, just to reiterate an advert that I heard a little bit early on to give my endorsement, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get myself in hot water, but if I do, it's just one of those things. Moto Mags is the most phenomenal tire shop in Joburg. I've been using them for years and years and years, and one thing and one reason I keep going back is the absolute integrity and honesty of Michael and his wife and the way they're in that place. I'm always greeted friendly. I'm always given good advice. I'm always given honest advice. And I never feel like they're trying to sell me something that I don't need. But at the same time, Mark is always careful about my safety. He'll say to me, Tyre's got 5,000 Ks left, but if you're going on a long trip, don't be silly. Change it now. And, uh, you know, I really, if you want an honest Tyre place at good prices and I compare prices – because my ties are expensive and I've always been satisfied. So please go along and support them. And then just to read out to you the message that Chai has sent to all our listeners, just before Yom Kippur, and it goes like this. To those I may have wronged, I ask for forgiveness. And for those I may have helped, I wish I could have done more. And for the many I neglected to help, I am truly sorry. To those who helped me, I am deeply grateful. And on that note, I wish you a... a Meaningful fast and an easy fast And a Chag Sameach Coming up for Sukkot I hope you have a meaningful yantaf there And we'll speak to you when I come back on air